0: Welcome to A Day of Prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me.
1: Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word.
2: Hello, I'm Promise, and you're listening to A Day of Prayer's Morning Bible Study. We're glad you could join us. Before we get into the word, God, can you open us up in prayer?
3: Yes, I can. In your name, Lord Jesus, Lord, we just thank you for today, God, and thank you for allowing us this opportunity to gather together to discuss your word, God, and we thank you for being in our midst, God, and using us to disclose your word and your wisdom with our listeners, God. We ask that you keep our listeners and our partners, God, and you help sure up their footing, God, in you, and that you continue to guide them and help them grow up in your word, God. And we just thank you for doing all that you've promised, God. In your name, we Jesus. Amen.
0: Amen. All right, so this morning we're continuing our study in 1 Corinthians. We are on chapter 4. So I don't know about everybody else. I'm excited. So c- with that, can I get a volunteer to read... F- From verses 1 through 8, please. I will. All right, Layla.
4: Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. For I know of nothing against myself, yet I am not justified by this, but he who judges me is the Lord. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts. Then each one's praise will come from God. Now these things, brethren, I have figuratively transferred to myself and Apollos for your sakes, that you may learn In us, not to think beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up on behalf of one against the other. For who makes you differ from another? And what do you have that you did not receive? Now if you did um, indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? You are already full. You are already rich. You have reigned as kings without us. And indeed, I could wish you you did reign that we also might reign with you.
0: Okay, so as we typically, traditionally, I'll say, customarily do here, I want to open the floor to you guys to share what the Holy Spirit is speaking and ministering to you, and then also to give you the opportunity to ask any questions that you have. All right? Okay. There's a lot in this section, so uh, I I can see there's a lot. All right? So, who would like to open up? I will. Okay, what, well,
5: I found it interesting when Paul was saying, therefore judge nothing, wait, go before that, verse 4, for I know nothing of myself, for I know nothing of, for I know of nothing against myself, yet I am not justified by this, but he who judges me is the Lord. Um, I just found that scripture interesting where Paul was saying that, while he knows he he doesn't think he did anything wrong he is still willing to get investigated that just reminds me of how when you know you're truly guiltless you don't have a problem being checked out but it's when you know that there's something going to be found that you're saying i've already been checked once i'm good i don't see anything but how paul was um he was not he didn't see anything but he still wanted the lord to check him out even so if there was something hidden from him that he couldn't really see or recognize as sin, it could still be called out. Like in the Bible, there's been multiple cases where the people did not know what they're doing was wrong, and the Lord told them he didn't punish them for doing it because they had no clue was wrong. But when it comes, you know exactly what you're doing, and you continue to do it anyway, it becomes wrong. Now, I also found verse 5 interesting. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts. Then each one's praise will come from God. Meaning that while not everybody will be praised exactly, everybody will receive something from the Lord. Some people receive punishment, some people receive rewards so instead of trying to judge other people and call out your out their flaws because you have flaws you just want to think you're not as bad as everybody else you should examine yourself first before going out and calling everybody else in the bible says remove the lock from your own eyes before you try to remove the splinter from somebody else's meaning that while you may have this in your eye, you don't even need to go get the splinter out of the other guy's eyes. The Lord will take care of it of himself. You should be removing the log out of your eye, not so you can go judge somebody else, but because you see that you're blinded by said log.
1: So so you don't want to be the big bat wolf, the better to see you <laughs> taking the, taking your log out so you can see precisely to go judge someone else with it? You're not
5: supposed to do that. Okay. Okay.
0: So then how are you supposed to live or do?
5: What Paul means here by judging is not telling somebody what they're doing is wrong and then helping them walk in it, but it's publicly blasting them and making all their faults known and saying, you're doing wrong, you can't do this. And while the Lord tells us to hold each other accountable, he says, go and do it in love, meaning that, You see somebody struggling with something, come and tell them what to do is right and walk with them, not just saying from a far distance, you're doing wrong, I'm not going to help you. And just stare at you and point out every flaw that you have. But it is to come alongside and help them bring that back in line with the Lord.
0: Okay.
6: There's a lot in there. Oh, I just—all I, just, I want to do is—I want to share from a different version. You know, sometimes uh, another uh-huh. version can be really well, and it's—it's it's a, it's a little lengthy. Um, That's okay. It's just the message version. And, okay. Um, sometimes it is lengthy, but it was just a really nice. I really like the way he put it, um, as I put it together. So, um, here we go. Don't imagine us leaders to be something we aren't. We are servants of Christ, not His masters. We are guides into God's most sublime secrets, not security guards posted to protect them. The requirements for a good God are reliability and accurate knowledge. It matters very little to me what you think of me, even less where I rank in popular opinion. I don't even rank myself. Comparisons in these matters are pointless. I'm not aware of anything that would disqualify me from being a good guide for you, but that doesn't mean much. The master makes that judgment. So don't get ahead of the master and jump to conclusions with your judgments before all the evidence is in. When he comes, he will bring out the open and place in evidence all kinds of things we never even dreamed of, inner motives and purposes in prayers. Only then will any one of us get to hear the well done of God. All I'm doing right now, friends, is showing how these things pertain to Apollos and to me, so that you will learn restraint and not rush into making judgments without knowing all the facts. It's important to look at the things from God's point of view. I would rather not see you inflating or deflating reputations based on hearsay. For who do you know that really knows you, knows your heart? And even if they did, is there anything they would discover in you that that you could take credit for? Isn't everything you have and everything you are Sheer gifts from God? So what's the point of all this comparing and competing? You already have all you need. You already have more access to God than you can handle without bringing either Apollos or me into it. You're sitting on top of the world, or at least God's world, and we're right there sitting alongside you.
1: Amen. Mm
0: -hmm. Yes. Amen. And it's lengthy because there's a lot in there. Right? I mean, uh, I'll say it in this way. Let's break this down a little bit. He, as in Paul, when he's writing this, gives us an example first, right? Let us consider us servants of Christ as stewards of the mysteries of God, right? And then he says, It is required in stewards that one be found, what's the key there? Faithful. Okay, well, so he doesn't list it so specifically here. But in his letter to, or the letter to the Hebrews, in chapter 3, he talks about this. Hebrews 3 says, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Jesus Christ, who was faithful to him, who appointed him, and then he gives the second example. As Moses was faithful in all his house. So there's two examples. Moses, from the Old Testament, being faithful to the Lord. And then in Hebrews, he also, and he puts it in the correct order, Christ first. Right? I, I went from the biblical order. Moses first is a type and shadow of Christ, which you see fulfills the scripture. Where he says, and I will raise up from among the people a prophet like yourself, or a prophet like you from among the people. Right? Yes. So there were similarities there. And the similarity that he attributes to both of them was faithfulness. And then goes into the aspect of judging. And, and I love how in verse 6, where he's he says, I have figured, uh, my version says, I've figuratively transferred to myself an Apollo for sex. Like, I'm using us as an example. Right? But as he talks about the judging aspect, right? Again, we brought up Christ and we brought up Moses. And what was a common, their common approach to everything, every aspect of life? Can anyone tell me? to do the Father's will, to only say what the Father said and to only do what the Father does, right? Moses, in Exodus 34, asked to see the Lord's glory. And then if you continue reading in that chapter, right, because of his relationship with the Lord, his face shone, right? Not unlike what happened with Christ at the Mount of Transfiguration, where he... Shown so bright, it changed the color of his garments. Nothing was as white as Christ's garments. Right? Well, with Moses, it made the people afraid that he had to put on a veil. But when he would go into the presence of the Lord, he would take the veil off. And if if you read that, and that's in Exodus 34, the latter part of Exodus 34. And then when he would come out from the presence of the Lord, the tent of meeting... It as he would put the veil on and he would speak to the people. And then there's a very specific portion right after it says that he would speak to the people. And it says he would speak what the Lord had commanded him. It's Very specific. Only what the Lord had commanded him. Not the entirety of the conversation, not what he felt was important, but what he had been commanded by the Lord, which is exactly what Jesus says multiple times in his earthly ministry. I say the things the Father says and I do the things the Father does not of my own initiative but only as he commands me even in his teaching what did he say? If anyone's willing he will understand the teaching whether it comes from God or I speak from myself alright there's discernment in there which comes from the Holy Spirit and both were led by the Holy Spirit in every aspect of their ministry but we also have to understand this aspect of judging, because Jesus said, I did not come to judge, but if I do judge, my judgment is true. And why would Christ's judgment be true?
2: Because he Ferguson, only said what the Father said, only did what the Father did. Exactly.
0: It wasn't his thoughts, his mindset, or his perspective on the situation. It was the Father's perspective on the situation, which is why... If he said something, it was truth. Right? It was and is truth. Because he only said what the Father says. In everything. And he didn't come to judge and to condemn. Why? It wasn't his role or his place. At the time. At the time. Mm -hmm. It will be. Absolutely. And you read about that in Revelation. How he will judge the nations. That's at that time. Up to for now, for this time, you can look in John 16, where Jesus describes the work of the Holy Spirit and his role. And in six, chapter 16, that's John 16, verse 8, it says very plainly when he comes, that is the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And then, if you continue reading from verses 13 on, it says the why. The Holy Spirit, who is also God, just like Jesus, just like the, the Christ, the Messiah, approaches everything the same way. He doesn't speak of his own initiative, but takes from the Father and discloses it to us. Right? Okay, so with that, there's a lot in there, right? He discloses it to who? To us, to to you, to me, personally, as was the intention and design of our relationship with the Lord from the beginning. Can other people speak into our lives? Okay, they can. However... If that happens, it's typically because we haven't been listening or have refused to listen and apply what the Lord has been saying to us in our own lives. Which is why, one of the reasons why Peter, or Peter, excuse me, Paul, can say, uh, I don't know of anything of myself or against myself, right? He wasn't yes. being convicted of participating in in this Error. All right. Yes. Okay. And he does say, um, "I'm not justified by this." Right. A justification is the Lord. What does the Lord say about it? All right. It goes back to exactly what we were just discussing. What the Lord say about it? Doesn't matter what I said or I think, unless it aligns with what the Lord says and thinks. All right. Yes. because it's easy to look we all, and I'll give an example we can look at scripture and look at David and say man but he committed all these all these sins and all these acts against the Lord okay and he did yeah what the Lord say about him?
4: He was a man off to his own heart
0: okay that's the Lord's perspective. The Lord's perspective was that Moses was faithful in his household right Yes okay. That's the Lord's testimony. Same with Job. The Lord's testimony of Job. So no one else's opinion matters. Because you see Job's friends' testimony or their thought process concerning him. But the Lord's was that Job was righteous. So people looking out of their natural eyes would out of the flesh. It's anybody, you, me, whoever. If we look out of the flesh, we are going to inaccurately see or assess things, the situation, which then further creates further strife and division and quarrels and all this other stuff. So if we just get the Lord's perspective and move and operate as the Lord leads us through his Holy Spirit, not only will it not create divisions and quarrels, Right. Yes. But it will encourage and build up and admonish others to deepen their relationship with the Lord. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay.
1: And on the the opposite side of that um, coin, you see Paul when he's talking about um, in verse four, he's also saying, "No one can disqualify me from what God has qualified me for." Yeah, exactly. It's not within your power. You don't have the right to take away what God has given me. So if God has spoken something concerning you, that's what it is. No one has the right to disqualify you from being what God created you and called you to be. Doesn't matter if they don't like it. Doesn't matter if they don't prefer it. Doesn't matter if that's not what they think should happen at the moment. If God called you or as he's called you, stand in that. Take your confidence from him because it's he who causes you to stand and it's he who validates you. And it is he that you will stand before as your judge. When we stand before the great white throne judgment, the judgment seat of Christ, it's not the judgment seat of Christ and my mom and Pookie and whoever else, my neighbor down the street and around the corner. It's not all their judgment seat. It's Christ's. So be bold and be confident. Be diligent to enter into that place that God called you to. Leave your heart open to wise counsel, but anything that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ or the word of God concerning you has no place. So don't give it one. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Remember who you are in Jesus.
0: Exactly, and on that, no one can receive anything unless they receive from heaven, right? Unless the Lord has given it to them. Yes. It's the exact same thing that John the Baptist said. Identical. Even though, clearly, they were at different times, Paul and John the Baptist. Right? Uh, that's in John 3, verse 27. Right? It is says that... um. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing, nothing, unless it has been given to him from heaven. Unless Christ has given it and appointed it. All right? How many times does Paul begin his letters saying, I'm a bondservant of Christ? And then continues and says, And an apostle. And then what's the the certification? What's the qualification? By the will of God. Mm -hmm. Denoting where the authority, the position, the role, and the power given to do so comes from. Mm -hmm. Not his own. Not because of a a relationship with people. Do relationships matter? Yes. The first relationship is, is one with the Lord who appointed him. Right. Doesn't the Lord say that with literally everybody that He appoints, and throughout uh, Old and New Testament, I chose you and I appointed you to go and whatever it is, fill in the blank. Yeah, okay. regardless of age, regardless of position, sometimes even maturity. All right chose and called and appointed people to go do the works which he called them to do. Our role then is to come into alignment with it, with him, with his will, and carry it out, to live it, to do it. So what else? What else does anyone want to share?
2: The Lord was showing me verse 8, or it says, actually, sorry, verse, the ending of verse 7. Now if you did indeed receive it, why why do you boast as if, as if you had not received it? You are already full. You are already rich. You have reigned as kings without us. So,
4: oh. sorry,
2: the Lord showed me that. What, that he brought to my mind something that Brother Hagen said, where he was talking about multiple, many times people hadn't received what they prayed for because they kept praying and they didn't believe that they had received, they didn't believe that they had received what they were praying for the moment they asked for. So they ended up, they kept on praying about the same things. they never actually got what they were asking for. Cause they would never believe if they that they got got in it. it. Mm-hmm. So the Lord was showing that one, you're doing the Lord's will. I don't, and you're asking for something. There's really only one try. Not the first time you do it and you actually believe. There's really one try. You don't need first or second tries to do, just pray and say, okay, I know I received this.
1: Mm-hmm. That's right. When you, when you stand, when you pray, believe you receive it at that moment, right? And that you have it and God yes. takes care share the having. I appreciate how God can minister to us a multiple or a multitude of things as we're listening and reading his word. So let God continue to minister to your heart about How do you activate your faith and how you receive from him? It's not begging and pleading. It's not repetition. It's not based on what your eyes see. As he said to Thomas, blessed are those who believe who have not seen or they have not seen yet. They believe they're blessed. So part of our receiving by faith is to, at the moment we ask God for it. We know that we have the petitions if we're asking according to his will. So we have no reason to be concerned about it. We take it by faith and then we allow God to manifest it, right? Yes, and in this this particular um, portion of scripture, he's also admonishing them to be humble and remember mm-hmm. that what they have, they did receive. It wasn't generated of themselves either to put them in a position or a place to judge other people as to whether or not they're qualified or valid or one is more qualified or valid than the other because they received it as a gift. And just to remember that. So he's asking them to be humble um, in this and remember how how it how it actually works. It all came from God and ministered, but now because you've received from the Lord, don't forget that you in fact did receive it as a gift to you, not that you generated it or came about it on your own accord. So be be grateful and respectful at the same time. Yeah, something, Kyla?
3: Oh, I wanted to talk about along the same lines of thought, Mommy. But okay. to back up a little bit. Um, we'll start at verse 5, talking about, like, therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will, bring, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal his counsel of the hearts. Um, then each one's praise will come from God. How we're not supposed to judge another in... I forget where the scripture is, but it tells them, like, who are you to condemn a servant before his master? It's not your place. And don't judge other people, lest you be judged. Mm -hmm. And I also see that here saying, it's very easy as believers for us to say, well, you're wrong. I didn't hear the Lord tell me that thing per se that they're teaching on. Um, A common example is prosperity that people automatically assume because you say the word prosperity, that uh, uh you're wrong, you didn't hear from God, you're gonna go to hell because you lied, you taught a fallacy. But that's not true. It's it's not our place to judge one or another because God will make the distinction. If somebody was wrong in or misguided in what they were teaching or what they heard, the Lord will correct that. And Brother Hagen said something interesting that when a sinner gets saved he's not to confess every sin he's ever made or you don't tell them that you have to give up everything that's sinful before you can god can save you because god never said that and even in matthew when he was talking about the holy spirit the holy spirit came to judge and he would judge them for not believing in god not for every wicked thing they did because just like at one point, we were all sinners, and just like we didn't get our act together before God could save us, no, he looked on us, and he knew where we were at and what sort of things we did, but he still loved us, and he still gave us that opportunity. Likewise, we're supposed to give the same opportunity and grace to others, and God himself will work out if they're doing something wrong and that doesn't line up with his word. God will correct it, and they'll no longer have that desire because they desire to be pleasing to God
0: absolutely and along with that the scripture about the Holy Spirit who convicts of sin right it says in there he will convict the world of sin of what, what was the other two righteousness and what else mm-hmm. like,
3: because they didn't believe in
0: righteousness. okay so but as we look at that, if you look at some of the translations of that, it's because they did not understand. Right? Is what it's getting at. They misunderstood about sin, about judgment, and about righteousness. Okay? as we can look at things, and, and Jesus gives this great example in Matthew 6. especially the first four verses. I'll read that. It says, Take heed that you do not Reward you openly, all right? And he says, he goes in about prayer and all the rest of it. Okay, the Holy Spirit—what is his role? Convict of sin, of judgment, of righteousness, and to lead us to God. Those that are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. But it also says that he searches the hearts and the minds, so he knows why we are doing the action that we are doing it—not just the action itself. We in the natural, right? If we're looking at at things with our flesh, and go, oh, that's a great thing that that person did. But the Lord knows the hearts and the minds and why they did the action that they did. Was it shame? Was it guilt? Right? Were they trying to cover up for something else that might have happened? Right? And, And again, that's the role of the Holy Spirit to reveal those things to us. Right? We have misunderstood. The Lord didn't change and abolished the law, right? He helped us understand the way he meant for it to be followed and lived out from the beginning, which is why he could say, you say, um, don't murder or don't kill somebody or don't commit adultery. And then what the Lord say, I say to you, if you've even looked on the woman with lust in your heart, if you even hated your brother, you've already committed the act. You've already committed the act. And a lot of people say, well, he changed it. He he moved the goalposts. He moved the boundaries. No, he didn't. He explained through the Holy Spirit, of course, or how the Holy Spirit was leading him and demonstrated what it was supposed to look like from the beginning. So we have misunderstood, but the Lord knows the Holy Spirit searches the hearts and the minds. He knows why we do the things we do. We can speculate uh, at best in our flesh on intentions and motivations. But the Lord knows, and he will reveal those things first to us. And, so, and the reason is so we can always bring it before him. No, he doesn't expect us to be perfect and to, I'll say, renounce all sin. Right? We have to acknowledge that we are a sinner and allow him to clean us up along the journey but well, we still have to be willing to allow him to do that, to come to that place, right? That's, that's half of the, the battle, right? First admit, this is what I am. Because if I can't admit that I was a sinner, then I had no need for a savior. Yes. So yes, what you're saying is, is truthful, it's accurate. He doesn't expect us to, to be completely clean, to go through uh, a laundry list, a checklist of renouncing or confessing every sin before him. Just acknowledging we're a sinner and allow Him to reveal and work out those things in us along the way, and along the way of following Him. Not just okay, I'm confessing I'm a sinner and now I'm I'm good, I'm covered, I can do what, continue to do whatever I want. That's that's not it. To have a Lord and a Savior means you are relinquishing control, you are giving it to another, you are submitting to the will and the leading of another who has also saved you. And he, he saved you, not you saving yourself, but he saved you by the atoning or propitiation work that he did on the cross through the shedding of his blood.
1: And there's a difference between being a sinner and sinning.
0: Exactly.
1: So we are a sinner at one point, but once we cross over into salvation, we are no longer a sinner because a sinner is a, is a characteristic of nature. And we know that we become new creations in Christ. Once we accept him as our Lord and Savior, we, through the new birth, we become a new creation. So our character and our nature has changed. Now, actions, sinning is an action. So when first John is talking about sin and sinning and the differences, and it sounds like he's using the same word, but he's talking about different stances. One is the sin nature and being a sinner as an outside of Jesus Christ. But once you come in, you no longer confess that I'm a sinner because that's denying the work that his blood did of making you a new creation. But you still confess your sin, the actions of sin that you take during your walk with him, and those he will continue to refine as you let him. You also have to understand this. You have to let it go. You have to allow him to make the change. You know, Um, oftentimes I'll, I'll speak with people about, their life and maybe what God is saying to them about it, what his perspective of it is. And they go, well, I understand that. And I'll say, well, God forgave you. Jesus forgave you. That's under the blood of Jesus. Now from here, you must move forward. And they go, yeah, but I can't because, and they still want to carry that thing with them. Well, you will carry it with you. If you won't accept what Jesus did that he Once we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness and let that cleansing work be satisfactory. And we take that instead of guilt and shame. If you refuse to take the goodness that God has shown you, you'll carry it and continue to walk with it and continue to be defeated by the enemy over and over and over again, despite the fact that you've been delivered, despite the fact that you're free, despite the fact that you're forgiven. If you won't take his truth instead Take his righteousness instead, you will be walking around with that. And because of his divine will and nature, God gives us the choice. He made you free, he delivered you, he set free the captives, he did every bit of that work that he promised to do. But if you choose to remain in prison, there you shall remain. What a sad thing to see a prisoner, a man or a woman, sitting in a jail cell with the door open. They had been given their papers and allowed to go free long ago, but yet they remain in that cell. Yet they sit there. How sad and pitiful. And then when somebody goes and comes by to go, hey, you know, you're free, right? You can go anytime. Yeah, yeah, I know. Meaning I didn't hear anything you said. I disregarded it because I have this thing right here. This is what I choose to believe. This is what I choose to make my stance on versus the righteousness that comes in Jesus Christ versus the truth of God's word. So when God says, I, I cleaned you up, I don't even know what you're talking about. What's sin? He throws it into the sea of forgetfulness. And for him to harp on it and bring it up and point it in your face, that would no longer make him the advocate, but that would change him to the accuser, who he is not. That role is being filled by Satan. He's not the accuser of the brethren. He is the one who delivers us, validates us, sets us free. Gives us his righteousness instead. You have to take. When yesterday, um, in another, something else we were doing, we spoke about when you read the word of God, and I think you mentioned this today as well, Dean. When you read God's word, take him at his word. Choose to replace what you think, your opinion, and replace it with the fact of God's word, the truth of his word. This is what God said. And since he's the boss, that's the truth. If anybody should know, it'd be him, right? The one who was there throughout all of everything. He has no end or beginning. He is the all exist, the ever existing one. He knows. So if he tells you something, if he says, this is the truth, then go, okay, yes, God, thank you. This is the truth. And every time something comes to your mind to try to challenge that and exalt itself and say, no, no, but wait a minute. Does God really want, does he really mean that? I'm pretty sure you're still a sinner. No, rebuke that in the name of Jesus and go, no, God said right here. This is the truth. This is what I live by. I refuse to carry lies with me. I refuse to carry old and dead things with me. And I choose to move on. How crazy would we think someone was to drag a dead body alongside them?
0: Carry them on their back. And and drag it around
1: and go, no, no, but this is still alive. You go, No, it's dead and it stinks. Get rid of it. And they drag this dead thing along with them for years and decades. That's what it looks like when someone carries sin with them that God has already forgiven them for. And they keep it alive in their mind as though it's real and it's still active and has power over them instead of letting it be buried and placed under the blood of Jesus Christ. It's crazy. It's deranged. Makes no sense. So then accept what God said and go be free. Leave the dead things under the blood of Jesus and move on.
0: Alright. Thank you, honey. You're Let's pause there for today. There's a lot. Let's give you time to to review, to search out the scripture, to see if what we're saying is true. And let the Holy Spirit minister to you. Alright? So with that, who wants to close us out in prayer? I will. Okay, I promise.
2: Lord, I just thank you for just already providing for us and meeting our needs and just helping us Christians around the world to help and teach other people and bring them inside of the word. And Lord, I just thank you for all the listeners that are here and just being able to fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ and that we don't have to be blocked off by any spiritual means, but that we all have the same belief across the board. In the name of Jesus, amen.
0: Amen. We love you. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.
1: Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer.